Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a Sunday special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, August 21st, 2016. The share ID for Friday, August 19th, is 9010. That's 9010. This morning, A Vision for You presents How to Do Step 4 Within Weeks, the Big Book Way. In step one, we conceded powerlessness, the realization that we are doomed. We cannot solve the problem of our compulsive eating by ourselves. In step two, we learned that our higher power, which is deep down within us, was blocked off from us because of calamities, pomp, and worship of other things. In step three, we made a decision to place our will and our lives into the care of our higher power. What we have to do now is to be rid of those things in ourselves which have been blocking us from our higher power. Since this power is deep down inside of us, what is preventing us from an effective relationship with it? Joining us today to speak on step four is Lori C., a recovered compulsive overeater from Winnipeg, Canada. Lori has led numerous popular big book studies and workshops on how to use the big book effectively, and it is with great pleasure to welcome Lori to the line this morning. Good morning, Lori. Uh, Thank you, Leah. Uh, Shall I just begin? Please do. Thank you. I want to thank everyone for the opportunity of uh, being able to share this wonderful message uh, from the big book, uh, which uh, I discovered about, uh, well, over 23 years ago and has uh, given me uh, the miracle of recovery uh, from the uh, addiction that I I had, the food addiction I had. Um, And this method of doing step four was a revelation to me when it was taught to me by someone who had uh, studied uh, the big book uh, with um, an AA uh, person uh, uh, in, in, in my hometown of uh, Winnipeg, Canada, uh, who had studied the big book approach to doing the steps, had developed some forms, which uh, I still use. Um, uh, and it, it was a, an amazing thing because I was able to do the steps, and a lot of people I've sponsored and a lot of people who have used these forms have uh, confirmed that uh, you can use these forms and get to the heart of your character defects uh, within within weeks, uh, if you're really dedicated, if you have the time, uh, I would say no more than six weeks. Uh, if it takes longer than that, then you aren't you're you're either in a coma or you have no excuse, uh, because a half an hour a day uh, could be uh, could be spent on this. Um, so I hope to be able to explain it in the next hour, hour and a quarter, and then answer any questions that people have. I should tell you that there is a website uh, which has copies of the forms which are taken as much from the big book as possible uh, and also has uh, examples of how to fill them out, uh, like 20 pages which I'll be using um, of examples of how to fill them out, the kinds of things you might say for the, kind, for the kinds of things that uh, over the years uh, people have noted. I will basically be covering pages 63 to 71 of the big book. Uh, I, I want to note that Uh, And I'm not going to refer to the forms uh, as much as talk about what the big book says. I want to note that um, on pages uh, 58 to 62, we have learned what it means to 
to turn our will and our life over to the care of our higher power. And that's very different from taking step three. Step three, the big book says, is a prayer. That's, you know, uh, what does it mean and what do we do, the big book starts with. And what it means is a lengthy discussion of, uh, of the word selfish, of, uh, of what our real problem is. And then uh, what we do is we say the step three prayer that's found on uh, page 63. Um, and the, uh, the essence, I would say, of uh, what our problem is, is what our, our basic issue is, is that, well, as the big book says uh, on page 64, self manifested in various ways was, had, was what had defeated us. Self meaning our own sense of what should be going on. And that's basically what pages 59 through 62, uh, 63 discuss, is the need that we have an internal need that is beyond what normal people have, of having, to th having things to go right. Um, we are always frustrated. Uh, things never go our way. Um, we try different methods of dealing with it. Sometimes our wish to have things go our way is completely legitimate in the sense that it's morally right. It's not based on our own, what one would call, selfish reasons in the normal dictionary sense. Uh, but it is a wish to have our way rather than the way it is. And this inability to accept reality has uh, put us into such a funk that our minds are so confused that we never remember that we can't pick up this food or this food ingredient or indulge in this eating behavior. Uh, so if our, as, as Leah pointed out, if our essential problem is that once we start, we can't stop, and we can't stop from starting the vicious circle, the, the um, uh, uh, double whammy, as, as uh, Dr. Silkworth called it, uh, if that's our essential problem, we have to find a way to stop from starting because we can never stop once we've started. Our body takes control once we've eaten the foods or the food ingredients or indulge in the eating behaviors that, uh, that cause us cravings. So our, our big issue is how do we stop from starting? And uh, the way we do it, the big book says, is to search in ourselves to get rid of the blockage between our deepest values and how we think and act. And um, that is what steps four through nine are going to do for us. Now, in, on page 63, uh, the big book starts off after we've taken step three. Right at the bottom of that page, it says, next we launched out on a course of vigorous action, the first stop of which, step of which is a personal house cleaning. So once we take step three, which is saying the step three prayer, we're now at the point where we are launching out on a course of vigorous action. This will be all the rest of the steps. Um, and the first one is step four. And it says, which uh, vigorous action, which many of us had never attempted. We're now on page 64. Though our decision, which is step three, was a vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face and to be rid of the things in ourselves which had been blocking us, blocking us, as we'll find out later, from the sunlight of the spirit, from our deepest values. Our liquor, our, our foods, were, was but a symptom, so we had to get down to causes and conditions. Therefore, we started upon a personal inventory. This was step four. And I think as we go through the steps, so I won't do it today, but we'll find out that step four is the starting, but it's not the ending. Step nine will be the ending. 
Uh, step four will be the beginning of a personal inventory. And the big book says a business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding. Um, fact-finding is, is searching. And a fact-facing process, a process that's fearless. When you face facts, you're fearless. When you uh, find facts, you're searching. Searching and fearless uh, inventory. It is an effort to discover the truth about the stock and trade. So in business, all kinds of things go on in inventory. What we're selling, what we have on stock, what we don't have on stock, uh, what's selling well, what's selling poorly. One of the things that you do, it says, one object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods to get rid of them promptly and without regret. So of all the things that a commercial inventory does, one of the things it does is to disclose what you have on hand that isn't doing well that isn't selling well or that is damaged. Uh, that are da uh, and if the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. We did exactly the same thing with our lives. We took stock honestly. And so we're looking at the damaged and unsaleable goods. First, we searched out the flaws in our makeup, which caused our failure, being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what had defeated us we considered its common manifestation. So manifestation is how it shows up. So I talked about how pages 58 through 63 uh, disclose the problem of our self coming out in various ways. And I, I, will point, I do point out now, and I'll, I'll go back to this, is that the big book redefines the word selfish. It doesn't use it in the normal dictionary way. The normal dictionary way is, I want things my way so I'll feel better, so it, it, will, it will benefit me. I want this. I want this. You can't have that. But in the big book uh, uh, definition, selfish means I want things my way, period. For good reasons, for bad reasons, for the best of reasons, it doesn't matter. If you want things your way, you are being selfish. You're looking for your way rather than the way it is, rather than God's way, if you, if you will. So that is our problem. That has defeated us. And the big book now has three approaches, three things we're going to look at. And it is absolutely brilliant the way it works together. And, and the history is really not well known of where Bill Wilson, who wrote this part, uh, wrote most of the big book, uh, maybe all of it, uh, got it from. Um, but And it's not necessarily what every AA person did, but it's in the end what every AA person who existed at the time the book was published agreed was the right way to do it for a person who had no sponsor and who was able to look at himself or herself, had to look at himself or herself in this way. So the big book, I'll give you the overview, and then we'll, we'll get down to more specifics. The big book uh, looks at first resentments, and I'll talk about what resentment is. But as we go through the method that the big book has of looking at resentments, we come up with four basic character defects. And I'll discuss what each one of those means uh, as well. And if you go to oabigbook.info, you, you can find various uh, uh, discussions of how to uh, do the step four and what the various terms mean. Um, but at any rate, you end up with four character defects, which the big book calls selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened. And these are the four. There, there are no others that the big book discusses. There, these are the four character defects we have. They are very, very deep. They permeate our entire life, and we'll, we'll see how this, how this works. They, they deal with things that have happened to us that we are 
we are true victims of, bad things that have happened to us, or things that we've done to other people, or things that we think about the world, or things that bother us about the world that, that aren't people. Um, and these four character defects are then looked at through the next two approaches. One of them is fear, because one of the character defects is fear, and there's a way of dealing with fears, and we're promised that by the time we finish this part of step four, we will outgrow those fears. They will no longer be fears. They will be something other than fears, and I'll talk about what that means. And then under the, the heading of what's called sex conduct, and, and I will talk about what sex conduct meant in, in 1939. It is basically relationship issues where there's some form of attraction, uh, not what we would call sex right now, which is much more um, physical. Um, we deal with the three other character defects, selfish, dishonest, and, and it becomes inconsiderate, but self-seeking we'll see is the same as inconsiderate. And we learn how we could live a life free of those character defects in what are difficult relationships. And so by the time we, and that's it, and by the time we have done all that, we have finished step four, and we have not only faced our character defects, but we have looked at the kind of world we could be living in without them. And, and so the, the process of doing step four has become a a discovery of what life can be like on the other side. Then in step five, we share it. In step six and seven, we're ready. and We ask our higher power to remove our defects of character. And in steps eight and nine, we go ahead and we right the wrongs that have happened to others because of our defects of character. And we are then promised that our character defects are removed. And they're removed momentarily. You're, you've recovered, but of course you have to keep doing this kind of stuff. You have to keep cleaning house. That's what step 10 is. And you have to pray and meditate, and, and you have to carry the message to others. That's step 10, 11, and 12. So step four is the big one. Step four is where we learn how, what our character defects are. We learn what a life without those character defects can be, and we're now launched on our journey. It's a, it's the, it's a significant step. So the big book starts off. Uh, so that's the overview. And uh, it, it sounds daunting, but it's not. And it sounds depressing, but it's not. And if you compare this to other methods of doing the steps, it's faster than most. There are a couple that are even faster, but, but they really have to be done, I think, with people who really know their steps well. Uh, this, is, this can be done on your own. You don't, you don't need another person to do this. Um, and, uh, and it, but it, it's a very fast way of doing it. And I, 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 I do recommend it. It, it has saved the lives, uh, saved my life, and has saved the lives of countless of thousands of other people who have uh, used this method. So, uh, on the bottom of page 64, last paragraph, it says, resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From it stem all forms of spiritual disease, for we have been not only mentally and physically ill, we've been spiritually sick. When the spiritual malady is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically, and, and, and then it says, in dealing with resentments, we set them on paper. We listed people, institutions, or principles with whom we were angry. And I'm going to ask you for the moment, I think I can show you later on, to take that angry in a very broad sense, angry that they exist, angry that this is the fact. So people, institutions, or principles, we set them out on paper with, with whom we wish were not on that. So because, I, I, you know, if I had looked at that word anger when I started uh, working these steps, 
um, over 22 years ago, uh, I, would, I would have said I'm not an angry man. I've never been angry. I'm sad. I feel self-pity. I, I wish these things weren't true. Oh, but I'm not angry. Of course, I was, I suppose, in a, in a sense, deeply angry, but I never would have thought of myself as angry. Um, and so if you think of a, a, a page of paper, uh, a regular page of paper done in, on, the, on, on the horizontal, not the vertical, uh, in landscape mode, as we, as we call it now, uh, the first column on the left is the column where we list people, institutions, or principles. And I'm going to suggest that a resentment comes from the, um, the Latin re, meaning again, and sentira, meaning uh, to feel. So a resentment is something that you feel over and over again. It's something that is living rent-free in your mind. It's the would-haves and should-haves and could-haves of your life, uh, if-onlys of your life. It's all the things that you wish were not true, either about other people or about yourself or about the world in general. And they say we list people, institutions, or principles, and I'm going to suggest that you list every person by, by name or by uh, position or title or whatever. It could be the person who, who um, uh, people who don't park within the lines uh, in a parking lot, or it could be a person who hurt you so badly when you were a child, or it could be a, a significant other, uh, or it, it, it could be, uh, but people like that. It, it, you know, I, I put down Hitler, for instance. Uh, I'm Jewish. I grew up in the 50s, and uh, the Holocaust was a sort of a major factor in, in, in the life of, of Jews at that time. Um, you, you put down political people. You put down uh, people whom you wish were not, uh, were not alive or were not doing what they were doing. You put down any of the terrible things that have gone on in your life or that are going on in life that you wish was not going on in life, or just the little annoying, irksome things that bother you, um, people who use bad grammar or people who care that bad grammar is being used. It, it doesn't really matter. But whatever bothers you, anything that's on your mind but nothing that's not on your mind. So if you dealt with something a long time ago and it's dealt with and you don't think about it, you don't put it down. You only put the things down that are on your mind right now that you now resent, and it, uh, that you're feeling and it bothers you. It can be things about yourself. I wouldn't put yourself down, as we'll find out when we, well, we're not going to get today to, to uh, amends. You don't make amends to yourself. You don't put your, yourself down. Uh, the amends you make to yourself is that you're going to be a different person, and you will, you will become the kind of person that you aren't, and uh, you, will, you will thereby not be all the things that you resent about yourself. But you can put down things that you resent about yourself, like I'll never be thin. Uh, for two hatters, I did this in my other program. Why should I do this in OA? Um, and you can put down some generally horrible fact. People are suffering terrible in this world. Or uh, I'll never get what I want. Or um, life sucks and then you die. Or, you know, things of that sort. So that's the first thing you do. On, on the left hand, you have a small, short column where you put down things that are on your mind. And you may find that you have 20, or you may find that you have 180. It doesn't really matter. You write down everything that's on your mind. And, um, and you write it on, on the, uh, uh, the left-hand column. If uh, the, the next column, you're going to be writing a, a bit about those things. So if you know you're going to write a lot about one of them, you leave some space before you go on to the next one. But you first do column one. And um, I find that 
on a personal basis that I will write something down in the evening. I'll write a whole bunch of things down in the evening. I'll sort of unload uh, the big stuff on, on, onto paper. I'll go to sleep, and in the morning I'll remember some more. But this can't take more than 20, 30 minutes when you think about it because you're just unloading from what's on your mind, not what should be on your mind, but what is on your mind. But don't be shy and don't be um, um, sort of uh, self-important and only write down the big stuff. Write down the small stuff because the small stuff is often a real pain and it really can be annoying. People who whistle off tune or, or something like that. Okay, so that's column one. And what you're doing there is just venting. And it's, a, it's, a, it's actually a very satisfying feeling when you just write these things down. Then the, people, uh, then the big book says on page 64, we asked ourselves why we were angry, why they're on our list. And, and uh, here you have a, a column, which this is the second column, where you write down, and the big book gives an example on the next page on 65, in point form, why the things in column one are on your list, why they're in column one. So, uh, for example... Um, I put down as an imaginary spouse in, in this sort of this um, uh, guide to how to do it that you can find on, on the website. Um, is imaginary spouse. Uh, not enough sex, doesn't help around the house, isn't supportive of me in OA, full of anger, spends too much money on self, doesn't do part in parenting, calls me fat. Now, each one of those points could be a probably a, a book or at least a chapter in a book, a um, whole bunch of incidents that surround each one of these points. But it just but that's the example of you just write down the points. You write down you don't write down the whole story. Already you're saving a lot of time because you're sort of summarizing issues without having to write explanatory stuff and deal with them in any great uh, detail. A person who hurt me as a child, and 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 when I created this sort of imaginary person who wrote out the uh, the, the steps, I, I thought of a person who was abused, horribly physically or sexually abused as a child. And, I mean, horrible trauma, traumatic things, but if you write, write down sort of what is going on or why that person's on the list, things like betrayed my trust, caused me physical pain, caused me emotional pain, continues to make me feel terrible, changed my life completely, made me into a loser, I think of that person all the time. I am full of hatred. I am full of self-pity. These are all reasons why the person who hurt me as a child would be on the list. Very deep, very, very deep and very uh, horrible history, but it's, it encapsulates in those short sentences a whole history of, of, of harm that's existed for years in this imaginary person who was filling out this form. Uh, the next one I, I deliberately put in as, as sort of like a, a minor little thing, but something that is, 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 can come out like this. People who don't park within the lines. Uh, why is, are these people on the list? They don't care about others. They all, they're only interested in themselves. They forced me to walk a block. I got angry and yelled at my kids later. So that's another kind of example. So you're, you're explaining why these people are on the list in this second column. Uh, another resentment, I'll never be thin. I always start off enthusiastically and then fail. I don't have faith in this program. I don't have the right sponsor. I always screw up. I hate being fat. Uh, the next one, I did this in AA. Why should I do this in OA? AA is more important to me. AA has more recovery. I know more than my sponsor does about the 12 steps. And if there are any 12 hatters in there, uh, uh, 12, uh, two hatters in there or three hatters in there, I'm sure you'll, you'll uh, identify with that. 
And I wrote down, people are suffering terribly in this world in column one. Well, I'm enjoying my life and other people are dying. I am powerless over the horrible things that are going on. Things have to change for the better. So you can see how you put down in point form uh, sort of a summary of all the kinds of things that you could be saying. Uh, and the big book, uh, I heard a, a big book uh, study person once say, the big book uses 19 words for, uh, the maximum of 19 words for a point. So I give my sponsees the luxury of a maximum of 20 words for each point. So don't write a book, just write down point by point all the reasons. Don't worry about whether these reasons overlap. Don't worry about they seem to be repetitive or redundant. Write them all down. You had a parent who, who was a terrible parent. You write down a parent, and then you write in column one and column two, a terrible parent uh, beat me, yelled at me, made me feel awful. Um, you know, all the things that you write down, but in, in a summary form, in, in a bullet form. And it is an amazing feeling to do that. Now, there's a lot of writing in that, but it's not a lot of writing. There's not, it's not as if you couldn't do that in two or three days uh, using a half an hour to 45 minutes a day. Uh, and it's not as if you have to think hard about this. It's, it's venting. It's putting all the things that are in your mind right on paper very quickly, very simply. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll, if anyone has any questions about that, I'll answer them later on. So that's the second column. And it's all in point form. Put little bullets if you want. And then the big book says on page 64, uh, by the way, you may say, well, why am I doing down column one, column two, column three in order? The reason is, the big, first of all, the big book says you should. Uh, so you, you finish all of column one before you do column two. You finish all of column two uh, before you do column uh, three. The reason, uh, I think the, the very basic practical reason, is that you are now in a position where you're concentrating on one thing at a time. First of all, column one, what's on your mind that's bothering you? Second of all, column two, why do these things bother you? And you're going to find patterns. In column two, you are going to find amazing patterns. You may have five siblings, and you write one sibling down, and, 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 and then the other four will be the next on the, in that column. The first sibling, you'll work and you'll say, oh, this is what bothers me about that sibling. This is what bothers me. This is what bothers me. And then you look at the second sibling and realize three out of the five things you've written down for the, for the, for the first sibling are there for the, for the second and for the third and for the fourth. Uh, you'll write down one parent, this, you know, the same thing will come true for another. You'll write down one relationship you had that uh, you screwed up, and you'll find that five other relationships you had that screwed up were the same thing. And you'll, you'll have a lot of dittos, a lot of repetition, and you'll begin to see patterns in why things bother you and why you can't give them up and the things that are just killing you, you'll see the patterns. The next column is subdivided into six parts. It's a, it's, it's, on the forms, it's, it's a lot easier to look at than it is on the example on page 65, but it's the same thing, and it doesn't really matter what you do, but, I, uh, but the big book says, we asked ourselves uh, why we were angry, and it says, in most cases, it was found that our self-esteem, our pocketbooks, now in, in 1939, pocketbooks meant our financial uh, security. Pocketbooks was what you put your money into, so our pocketbooks our ambitions, our personal relationships on to page 60, uh, 65, including sex, were hurt or threatened, so we were sore, we were burned up. Then it says on, on our grudge list, we said opposite each name, our injuries. And then it says, was it our self-esteem, our security, security 
taking the place of pocketbooks, and I take security as being um, beyond just money, but being any sense of safety. Our ambitions, they're repeating this, our ambitions, our personal relations or our sex relations, which had been interfered with. And then they give an, an example uh, on page 65. Uh, the form itself has six columns, self-esteem, security, in parentheses it says pocketbooks, ambitions, personal relations, sex relations, and fear, because fear is also on page 65 as an example. And it provides you, and by the way, these forms can be actually filled out on your computer. Um, uh, it provides you with the uh, ability to put a check mark uh, on this. So opposite each name are injuries, and then we look at the individual causes in column two, and we figure out how each of those causes in column two, the little bullet points in column two, how, uh, whether each of those affects our self-esteem, our security, our ambitions, our personal relationships, our sex relationships, or was fear involved. And very often you will say all of them, and sometimes you'll say only one of them, and sometimes in between. So in the example that, that I've provided uh, that you can find on that website, uh, I've got the spouse, not enough sex. Well, let, let me define. Self-esteem means how you feel about yourself. Security, pocketbooks, means your financial security, but also your own sense of safety generally. Ambitions is what you want out of life. Personal relations is personal relations. Sex relations is sex relations. And is any fear involved? Is any fear involved? So for the spouse, not enough sex, self-esteem is affected. Security is not. Ambitions are. I, I want more. Uh, personal relations, affected. Sexual relations, obviously affected. And there's fear involved when you think about not enough sex. I'll never get any more or something like that. Doesn't help around the house. In this example, uh, the, the, the person... Uh, who, who writes this about this imaginary spouse, all of those are affected. Isn't supportive of me in OA? Well, all of those are affected except sex relations. Full of anger, all of those are affected except self-esteem. Spends too much money on self, well, it affects my self-esteem, it affects my security, especially financial, uh, my ambitions, doesn't affect personal relations, doesn't affect sex relations. I guess this person doesn't sort of think about it in bed or doesn't think about it when he or she relates to the spouse. Um, and fear is involved. Calls me fat, affects my self-esteem, doesn't affect my security, affects my ambitions, my personal relations, my sexual relations, and fear is involved. So these are just examples. You may find a different, uh, a different uh, check marks. You may find that, uh, for those of you in, in England, that we tick mark, ticks, I guess. Um, you may find that you put down uh, different things because it's really how you feel. And you can imagine... Uh, trying to fill this out, how quickly that will go. It'll be check, check, no, 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 check, no, check, 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 no, 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 check. You know, I mean, it's just sort of a bang, 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 bang. And don't worry if they overlap, and don't worry if you get it wrong. There's no great reason for you to worry about that. Just put it out there. So I've got the person who hurt me as a child, and in the example, uh, in the examples that are available on the website, you'll find that almost everything is, is uh, checked for that person. Uh, people who don't park within the lines. You know, I put down, don't care about others. Well, that only affects personal relationships and fear. Only interested in themselves, same thing. Forced me to walk a block. Well, it affects my self-esteem. How dare that person do that? Uh, affects my ambitions, because ambitions are what you want out of life. And fear was involved. Um, I got angry and yelled at my kids later. Well, it certainly affects my self-esteem and my ambitions, and affects my personal relationships. 
Um, another example, I'll never be thin. Well, I always start off enthusiastically and then fail. Well, it affects my self-esteem, affects my security, because I don't feel secure when that happens. affects my ambitions, what I want of life, my personal relations, um, and fear is involved. Um, I don't have faith in the program. It doesn't affect my self-esteem. It does affect my security and my ambitions, and there's fear involved in that. So I, I could go on, but I, I just, I'm just giving examples. I personally, but there's no reason for you to do this, I personally do all the self-esteems before I go on to the securities and all the securities before I go on to the personal relations. But the big book doesn't require that, and so I don't... Um, I don't require or ask my sponsors to do it my way. I find that concentrating solely on one issue really helps. Those of you who are uh, lovers of Joe and Charlie will, will note that at this point, the form begins to differ from what Joe and Charlie do. Joe and Charlie import things from the uh, uh, AA 12 and 12, and, um, and uh, uh, the big book uh, doesn't, well, the AA 12 and 12 hadn't been written at the time. And the big book, after giving an example on page 65, says we went back through our lives, nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. When we were finished, we considered it carefully. And what you will find when you finish that aspect of it, and it's so quick, this part is really quick, uh, because you're just checking and just sort of, you'll, you'll get a rhythm and it'll be very, very quick. You will find a lot of check marks. You'll find hundreds and hundreds of check marks. So it will be obvious to you, well, the big book says the first thing um, on page 65, going on page 66, the first thing was that this world and its people are often quite wrong. To conclude that others were wrong were, uh, was as far as most of us ever got. The usual outcome was that people continued to wrong us and we stayed sore. Sometimes it was remorse, and then we were sore at ourselves. The, but the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. As in war, the victor only seemed to win. Our moments of triumph were short-lived. And as you look at all these check marks, you will realize, and I speak from, I, I realized, and all the people I've ever sponsored and all the people I've ever talked to about this have realized, that with all these check marks, everything, your, your life is screwed up. No wonder you can't remember not to eat the ice cream when someone gives, offers it to you the third time. Uh, no, no wonder you, you go into a movie theater and automatically order popcorn. Um, Whatever, whatever it is, whatever your binge foods are, your mind is completely befuddled. It's filled with issues that uh, attack your self-esteem, your security, your ambitions, your personal, your sex relations, and you're full of fear. And you've got all that going on in your mind, all these things that are uh, living rent-free in your mind, all the reasons that these things are living rent-free in your mind, and all the effects that these reasons have on your life are all whirling around in your mind no wonder you can't remember, oh, this is not good for me. Oh, when I eat this, I break out into cravings, uh, uh, you know, as normal people would, would do. You can't because your life is so full of resentments. Your life is so full of, I wish this had happened and it didn't happen, or I wish this hadn't happened and it did happen. Your life is so full of that that you abnormally can't stop thinking about it. And the big book goes on, and, and, and these check marks are really a graphic illustration of that truth. big book goes on on page 66. It says, it is plain that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. That's true for everyone. To the precise extent that we permit these, do we squander, waste the hours that might have been worthwhile? That's true for everyone. 
But with the alcoholic, whose hope, and the original draft of the big book said, whose only hope, whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience. So because the alcoholic or any addict, if we don't have a spiritual experience, we will continue to, uh, on our course of action of dying. The, 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 the addiction will be killing us. This business of resentment is infinitely grave. We found that it is fatal. For when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity of alcohol, the insanity of our addiction returns, and we drink again. We indulge again. And with us, to drink, to indulge, is to die. If we were to live, we had to be free of anger. And I think the word free uh, there doesn't mean that we can't be angry. It means that we have to be free of it. And uh, I heard a, a speaker once say, the only real anger lasts five seconds. The rest of it is sickness. And uh, so we, I mean, you know, uh, we, we have to handle our anger. We have to deal with it and know how to handle it. And the big book goes on and says, the grouch and the brainstorm were not for us. And uh, uh, at, at, in, as Bill sees it, uh, Bill uses the wording sudden rage. So the grouch and the sudden rage were not for us. So there are two kinds of sort of anger. One is that we, the grouch is where we just nurse it. We just get, it gets worse and worse. I wish this weren't true. I wish this weren't true. I wish I hadn't done that. I wish they hadn't done that. I wish this wasn't the fact. And the, and the brainstorm is this sudden eruption of, 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 of anger or resentment or frustration or self-pity that just suddenly arises in us. They're not for us. We can't afford these things. And they say, they go on, they say they may be, I love this phrase, the dubious luxury of normal men. But for alcoholics, these things are poison. I know people who have grudges. They're normal people. They don't eat over it. They enjoy being angry at someone or resenting someone or resenting parts of their life, and they live that way. And sure, part of their life is a little bit uh, stunted or in, in some way, but it doesn't affect their eating. They don't drink over it. They don't take drugs over it. They go on with their life. When they think about a person, they wish that person ill, but they go on with their lives, and they don't often think about that person. But we can't afford it because our lives are filled with this woulda, coulda, shoulda, uh, with this if only, uh, with this, uh, uh, you know, this need to have our way so much so that, when, that we think of it all the time. And when we do, we end up going back to the things that we know we can't indulge in. And that's the key to getting free of our addiction is not having a mind that keeps giving us permission to go back. And all of these resentments that we have listed here are good excuses for going back. So the big book says we have to get rid of this. So we turn back the list where it held the key to the future. Page 66 again. We were prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. We began to see that the world and its people really dominated us. And, and these check marks will show that. In that state, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had power to actually kill and uh, in, as Bill sees it, Bill quotes this and says, under that unhappy condition, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had power to actually kill us because we could be driven back to drink through resentment. How could we escape? We saw that these resentments must be mastered, but how we couldn't wish them away any more than alcohol. And now the big book is going to give us a method of dealing with the people who wronged us, and I would say who wronged others as well. Uh, how do we deal with those people? We can deal, we can understand that the things that we've done are killing us. We may have harmed someone else. 
we may we can understand how the fact that I think I'll never be thin or people are suffering terribly in this world, we can understand how those things are killing us. But how about people who did us horrible, who did horrible things to us or to other people? Uh, Hitler, for me, uh, a person who abused uh, a friend of mine, uh, uh, who who was a child. How do you how do you deal with those people because they're killing us? We 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 think about them all the time. If only this hadn't happened, if only the Holocaust hadn't occurred, if only that person hadn't harmed me. How do I get rid of this because it is sending me back to the food? And once I'm sent back to the food, I'm back into not being able to stop once I've started. So the big book gives us two ways, one here and the other on page 552. We realize right at the bottom of page 66, we realize that the people who wronged us in column one were perhaps spiritually sick. Page 67, though we did not like their symptoms, this would be what's in column two. And the way these disturbed us, that would be in column three, they, like ourselves, were sick too. We ask God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. So, you know, a friend, uh, and, and they used to say in the in draft, a friend who has cancer. So there are all kinds of people in this world whom we excuse for saying horrible things to us. Uh, people uh, who we know have mental illnesses. Uh, people we know have brain damage. Uh, children who say, Mommy, Daddy, I hate you. Um, sure, it hurts, but we know that they don't really mean it. Um, there are all kinds of friends who we know are having a, a bad day, people who are in co constant physical pain, who are always grouchy. We cheerfully grant them tolerance, pity, and patience. But we don't do that for a bunch of other people whom we don't want to grant tolerance, pity, and patience because we think they're terrible people, so we look at them badly. And for many, many people, here's the prayer, God so-and-so is sick, please help me show so-and-so, spiritually sick, please help me show so-and-so uh, so the same tolerance, pity, and patience that I would cheerfully grant a sick friend. And uh, that works for a lot of people, but it often doesn't work for the deepest uh, issues that we have. Um, and uh, I, what I have found is page 552 of the big book in the second, third, and fourth edition in the chapter Freedom from Bondage uh, gives us the other way of dealing with it. It's just a deeper way of dealing with, of using the same concept. Uh, in that, and, and uh, it's been attributed to various clerics, but a person is writing about um, a, a resentment that she had against her mother. She'd been sober for 20 years. She knows that she's going to go back to drinking if she doesn't get rid of this resentment, and she stumbles upon a magazine article that says by a cleric, and some people think it's Norman Vincent Peale, um, some people think it's Emmett Fox, a cleric who writes, if you want to get rid of resentment, pray for that person to have everything you want out of life. Whether you mean it or not, pray for that person every day for two weeks, and you will find that by the time you finish that, you will have uh, compassion uh, for that person. I'm paraphrasing. Well, I did that for Hitler. I mean, Hitler was someone I couldn't just say, oh, he's spiritually sick. Um, and I've had friends who've had horrible abusers that they've done that for. The first exercise is, what do I want out of life? If, you want, if I'm going to pray for this person to have everything I want out of life, well, what do I want out of life? And what I have found when, I, when I'm this way in the program, this far in the program, it's not money that I want. It's not adulation from other people. I want to be useful in life. I want to be able to love and to be loved. And I want to be serene. 
those are the three things I want, to be serene, to be useful, and to be able to love and to be loved. And when I prayed for Hitler, whether I meant it or not, to be serene, to be able to love and to be loved, and to be useful in this world, I realized that not only had he, did he have none of those by the time he died, he had the complete opposite of each of those. He died having been not only not useful, but horrible in the world, and, and done horrible things, and, and been the opposite of useful. He was never serene. He was incapable of love. And what we find is, uh, and this, this has been true for friends of mine who've, who've worked through horrible abuse situations, is that the people who have done the abuse have harmed themselves almost irretrievably. Unless they found a 12-step program, their lives are completely unhuman because of the harm, the unhuman things they've done. Not just inhuman, but un, uh, inhumane, but unhuman. They are no longer human beings. They're something. They're the worst part of humanity. Their 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 lives are pitiful. And uh, when we say that prayer, uh, the the example that I can give you of, of, of some something deep in my life, but I, I'm nothing. I've suffered nothing compared to friends of mine who have suffered horribly in this life. When they do that, they have got rid of the resentment they have against that person. They're able to look at that person with tolerance, pity, and patience. There's no word in the big book about, uh, there's no talk of, uh, in the big book at this point about the word forgiveness. People often talk about forgiving the person who have done us, who have done us, who has done us harm. Um, I, I find that when I get involved in the discussion about the word forgiveness, that it's used in two different ways. I think of forgiveness as, as being uh, forgiving a debt. You no longer owe me this money, or you no longer owe me anything. Other people think of forgiveness as you're no longer going to live in my mind rent-free. I'm going to get rid of you out of my mind. Well, that second kind of forgiveness is absolutely what we're talking about. The first meaning of the word forgiveness is not. If a person owes me money, I may say, to myself, he's not going to live in my mind anymore. I'm not going to resent the fact that he owes me money. That's his problem. He's done doing harm to himself. Too bad for him. But he still owes me money. And and if he ever comes to me and says, "Gee, I'm, I, you know, I've been trying to owe you money. I've been, I, I can't pay you back. I, I feel so guilty. I've been avoiding you because I can't pay you the money. I have no money. Uh, how about if I pay you five bucks uh, every every month?" I would say, absolutely, and then I would forgive him of his debt. I might even say, you don't owe me anything. The, the, the mere fact that you've, you've asked for forgiveness is enough for me to forgive you in the, in the, in the broader sense, and you, you owe me nothing. But I, I think that there are two issues. But the big book never says that, that we don't ask people to take responsibility for their actions. You know, a, a person who, has, uh, who uh, uh, sexually abused me may have to face uh, criminal charges. They, they, that may be the appropriate thing. They may have to take responsibility for their actions. And saying, I forgive you, should not mean necessarily uh, that uh, I, I no longer hold you to account to society's norms and to my moral values and, uh, and for the harm you did to me. So I, think, I think it's an important distinction. Uh, the, the big book uh, goes on and it, it says when a person offended, we said to ourselves, and it used to say in the draft, when a person next offended. So this is sort of like a prayer that you say when people bother you in the future. This is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? God save him from being angry. Thy will be done. So we are now at the point, uh, if you followed so far, of dealing with all the things 
that bother us in column one, why they bother us in column two, the effect that these things that bother us in column two have on our, on our own lives, and all the people who have harmed us or others that are just sticking to us are now dealt with as being spiritually sick people for whom we have some sense of tolerance, pity, and patience. And the big book then says on page 67, referring to our list again, putting out of our minds the wrongs others had done, we resolutely looked for our own mistakes. And Joe and Charlie and others suggest that you sort of fold the paper up in a certain way so that you're now covering up the second column and the third column because you're no longer looking at what people have done to you. You're no longer looking at the effects these have on you. You want to look at your own mistakes. And you will, of course, not have simply the people who have harmed you or others on that list. You have all the things that bother you on that list in addition. And the big book then says, where had we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? And let me um, deal with this uh, because this is the key. These are the four character defects. Selfish was defined on pages uh, 58 to 63 as being wanting my way. So even though I should never have been abused, or even though Hitler should never have uh, been responsible for the death of, of the millions of people that he was responsible for, um, even though my motives might be very good in not wanting bad things to have happened to me or to others, I'm selfish in that I want the past not to have existed. I want things that have already occurred not to have occurred. And that, from pages 58 to 63, fits the definition of selfish that the big book discussed. I can't prove that to you today. I don't have time for that. But I think if you read pages 58 to 63, you'll see this very broad definition of selfish. So at the very least, my selfishness consists of not wanting to have had the things happen that did happen, not wanting the situation to be the way it is, even though it ought not to be the way it is if, if my life... If, 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 if the right things happened. So selfish can be simply the frustration that you feel for not having good things happen. Um, but selfish can also mean the normal dictionary, which is, uh, I wish it didn't happen for my own purposes. Um, dishonest? Well, dishonest, for many of us, obviously, is lying, cheating, stealing. I mean, that's that's dishonesty. But I think there are two subtle forms of dishonesty that don't get the kind of the press coverage that they should. And they cover a lot of us in OA, in my experiences. The first, the second kind of honesty, then the first kind is lying, cheating, stealing. The second kind is not telling the truth when the truth should be told. I venture to think that many of us are people pleasers. I certainly am. And so we don't stand up for the truth, and we don't tell the truth, and we take hurts onto ourselves. They, they fester within us, but we never speak them. And we don't speak up and tell the truth when the truth should be told because uh, so many of us are, are people pleasers. And a third form of dishonesty is lying to ourselves about reality. You know, when I live in the past and say, I wish Hitler didn't have occurred, uh, Hitler had died, I wish the Holocaust hadn't occurred, Sure, I'm selfish. I want the past not to have occurred. I'm dishonest. It already occurred. As a matter of fact, the Holocaust occurred before I was born, and it ended before I was born, at least the, the Holocaust uh, in, 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 in Europe. Um, and, uh, and my dishonesty, I'm lying to myself about reality that I can somehow change the past. 
Uh, I've had friends who have had horrible, horrible childhoods with their, their parents uh, terribly abusive to them. And uh, selfish, I wanted a parent who was just like the parents I used to see on, on television, all the father knows best characters or the, you know, the leave it to beaver mothers and fathers, the, the great mothers and fathers. I wanted to live in the dream world of great mothers and fathers, uh, and I'm selfish in that I wanted that. Not selfish in the dictionary point of view. Every child deserves to have parents like that, but selfish in the big book way, which is I want something that didn't happen. Dishonest, uh, people have uh, said often, uh, they did their best given their childhood. Um, I can't change the past. Um, I didn't have those people. I'm lying to myself about reality. I'll go to the examples I've given in a, in a few moments. Self-seeking is hard to define. Uh, that's the next uh, third character defect. It becomes, in when we deal with sex conduct, uh, um, inconsiderate. And self-seeking is always thinking about myself rather than others. It's sort of looking for, for how these people affected me rather than looking at them as people. And I'll give examples of that. And frightened is full of fear. So I'll give examples with the spouse who uh, we wrote down first. I want my selfish, I want spouse to be different from what the, my spouse is capable of being right now. I want my own way. I want to feel safe. I want to be loved. I want my partner to be a good parent. I want the partner of my childhood dreams. That's selfish. It's not selfish in the dictionary point of view. Most people deserve that kind of stuff, but it's selfish in the big book way. Dishonest. I can't change my spouse. I'm married whom I married. I don't always tell the, my spouse the truth that should be told about my own needs and wants. My spouse has many great qualities which I should acknowledge. I love my spouse. Self-seeking. There are times when my spouse makes me feel bad about myself. The relationship seems to be about me rather than about our relationship. Frightened, I'm afraid I may lose the relationship. I'm afraid of living alone. Um, I'm afraid of raising children by myself. I'm afraid of dating again. Uh, I'm afraid of being lonely. The person who hurt me as a child, an abuser. Selfish, I want the past not to have happened. I want to have had a relatively painless childhood. I want to have had a protected childhood. I want my life to have been different. All reasonable wishes, but from the big book perspective, selfish. Now, don't get hung up on the dictionary definition. From the big book perspective, I want my life to have been different from the way it was, although reasonable is wanting your way rather than God's way. Dishonest. What happened to me happened 40 years ago. I can't change the past. I didn't tell the truth when it happened, and I haven't told the truth to a number of people to whom I should have told the truth because they should have known and understood my, my history. Self-seeking, this changed how I felt and still feel about myself. I have felt damaged my whole life. Frightened of trusting people, even those who love me, of trusting myself, of feeling this way for the rest of my life. I mean, these are really, really deep. But from the big book point of view, these are character defects that are killing us. Uh, from the horrible to the ridiculous, people who don't park within the line. Selfish, people should think of other people's discomfort. Dishonest, I've sometimes done it, and I thought I had a good reason. I was in a hurry, not to correct it. Self-seeking, I didn't deserve having it happen to me, and frightened that something like this could get me so angry, I would yell at my kids. Uh, next resentment, I'll never be thin. Selfish, I want to be thin my own way. I want it to be easy. Dishonest, there's a part of me that feels more comfortable being fat. I always undermine myself. 
I've never taken this seriously. I don't want to be a sex object. I mean, a lot of people have talked to me about that. Self-seeking, I want to be a self uh, sex object. Even though I don't want to be, I do want to be. So we've got these dual things going on. I want to attract people. I feel stupid and awful and victimized the way I am, frightened that nothing will change. I did this in AA. Why should I do this in OA? Selfish? I was comfortable in AA. I don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't want to do any more work than what I do now. Dishonest? If AA were going to do the job, it would have done the job. I haven't found a higher power that restored my sanity when it comes to my compulsive eating. Self-seeking, I'm in the granddaddy of all the programs, and I have to lower myself to be in this one. Frightened that I'll never get thin, that I'll never find freedom from the bondage of food. And I wrote down, people are suffering terribly in this world. Selfish, I want things to happen for the good for all people. Dishonest, I'm indeed powerless over the fate of millions of other people. I waste my energies that could be used for good by spending my time thinking about things I can't do. Self-seeking, if I were in charge of the world, life would be better for everybody. Frightened that nothing will change. So I, ho- so I give the examples, and, and if anyone has any questions or to deal with this, I'll be happy to handle them. But that's it for the resentment form, and that's the longest form. And sometimes you will not be able to fill out every single uh, uh, defect of character for every single one of the things that's on your resentment list. But I hope you can see how quickly you can do this. Uh, that really and truly, if you have 180 resentments, it, it, uh, it, it won't, and I, I know people who had, uh, it won't take that long to fill this out because you will find patterns, especially in column four with your core character defects. You will find a whole bunch of patterns. You'll write down, as I told you, one sibling, uh, and five siblings will be exactly the same. One parent, the other parent will be the same. One uh, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, they'll all be the same. Um, people who annoy you in five different ways, they'll all be the same. And you'll have a lot of ditto marks, a lot of, you know, well, see the other one, and you don't even have to write things down. And you'll find these patterns, I promise you. Uh, so that's that's that. And already you're beginning to go from all the things that are re- living rent-free in your mind to, to focusing on why they're living rent-free in your mind, and it all has to do with your wish to have things go your way and the fact that they aren't going your way. Now, we're now on to fears. And the big book says, uh, though a situation had been entirely our fault, we tried to disregard the other person involved entirely. Where were we to blame? The inventory was ours, not the other man's. When we saw our faults, we listed them. We placed them before us in black and white. We admitted our wrongs honestly. We're willing to set these matters straight. That's page 67, dealing with resentments. Now we're on to fear. They say, notice that the word fear, and I, I'm going to take another 15 minutes. I'm sorry, I know I, I'm supposed to finish it a half an hour after about an hour, but i got to finish these forms, and then I'm, I'm available for another 45 minutes for, for questions, if that's okay. I don't know if, well, anyway. Um, notice that the word fear is bracketed along the... Sounds great. Okay. Notice that the word fear is bracketed alongside the difficulties with Mr. Brown, Mrs. Jones, the employer, and the wife. This short word somehow touches about every aspect of our lives. It was an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. It set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve. But didn't we ourselves set the ball rolling? Sometimes, page 68, we think fear ought to be classed with stealing. It seems to cause more trouble. We reviewed our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper, even though we had no resentment in connection with them. So we now have a series of forms, and again, you can get this on oabigbook.info, a series of forms of dealing with fear. 
first of all, column one. What, why, what fears do I have? We've already had a whole bunch of fears listed relating to the things that are on our resentment form. The fourth column have the frightened thing. So you have a whole bunch of fears relating to um, uh, the fears that already exist in us that we've identified. And there may be other fears that we haven't identified uh, that will also come, uh, come uh, to, to mind. Um, uh, you may be afraid of death. It may not be a thing you live with all the time, but you may be afraid of death. You may be afraid of a horrible disease that other people in your family have had. Uh, you may be afraid uh, for your children uh, in a particular situation. Well, the children will probably be on the list anyway. Uh, but whatever it is, you write down your fears in the first column. And the example I've given, I've given my spouse, person who hurt me as a child, my kids. People will suffer in this world. I'll never be thin and I'm going to die. So I've taken fears from, from, from the earlier resentment column, but I've added a few others. And then they say we asked ourselves why we had them. So the next column is column two, why do I have the fears? And uh, I'll give examples, my spouse, I'll lose him, her, I'll never find anyone else, I'll be alone all my life, I'll have to raise the children myself. Um, the person who hurt me as a child, I'll never be over this hurt. I won't be able to trust anyone. My hating will cause me to eat. I can't really enjoy sex or love. My kids, I'll yell at them, I'll hurt them, they'll die before me, they'll hate me. I mean, look, look at the, those fears. You know, a fear of my kids, it's coming out differently from what it was in my, in my resentment thing, that they will die before me, which is a fear many parents have, of course. It's not something that came out of the resentment form, but it, 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 it comes out in the fear form. People will suffer in this world. I'll never be able to be happy. I won't be able to help anyone. It will get worse. I'll never be thin as a resentment. I'll die early and painfully. I'll never be attractive. I won't be able to do the things I want to do in my life. I'm going to die. It will be painful and slow. I won't know what happens after. And the next column, the big book says, wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Some of us once had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other fear. Would have made us cocky. It was worse. So the next column is the gimme column. Where was my trust and reliance on infinite God or my finite self? I'm sorry, the big book says, perhaps there's a better way we think so, for we're now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. So the, the next two columns in the forms that you can get on oabigbook.info are, where was my trust and reliance on infinite God or my finite self? Mm, I think probably my finite self, because if I was trusting an infinite God, I wouldn't have that fear. And then the next column is, did self-reliance work? No, it didn't work, because if it worked, I wouldn't have the fear. Big Book goes on, it says, we trust infinite God rather than our finite self. selves. We're in the world to, uh, to play the role he assigns just to the extent that we do as we, as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? One of those great big book phrases, match calamity with serenity. We never apologize to anyone for depending upon our creator. We can laugh at those who think spiritually, spirituality the way of weakness. Paradoxically, it's the way of strength. Um, the verdict of the ages is that faith means courage. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. We never apologize for God. We, instead, we let him demonstrate to us what he can do. We ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. Not do, but be. At once, we commence to outgrow fear. 
So the fear prayer, which you'll see in, on the form available, is, God, please remove my fear, or this particular fear, and direct my attention to what you would have me be. And I'll, I'll give examples of what God would have me be. I always phrase it this way, and there's a, a place for filling that out. You may not know what God would have you be, or may not be able even to guess at it or to take a stab at it. That, that may be what step five will help you figure out. But for instance, for the spouse, uh, what would God have me be in relation to this spouse, this imaginary spouse uh, that, uh, that's on this example form? A loving, compassionate, understanding, honest, giving person who thinks of my spouse more than me and who invests in our relationship together. The person who hurt me as a child, what would God have me be? A person who is free from hate, regret, fear, who can trust and enjoy life, who does not live in the past, who does not deny love to others. That's the kind of person that God would have me be. My kids, what would God have me be? A loving, compassionate, understanding, honest, giving parent who thinks of my children more than me and who invests in our relationship with each other. Now, what else can I be in relation to my kids? You know, I, 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 that's the best I can be in relation to them. The rest of it is up to them. People will suffer in this world. What would God have me be? A person who tries to help others and who is not paralyzed by what cannot be done and who is able to enjoy life on life's term and accept happiness when happiness comes my way. In other words, a person who isn't paralyzed by fears and anger and frustration, but a person who can help others. I'll never be thin. What would God have me be? A person who seeks a spiritual awakening to relieve me of my mental obsession so that I can remain abstinent and reach and maintain a healthy body weight, the definition of abstinence in OA. I'm going to die. Well, what could God have me be? A person who keeps as healthy as I can and accepts that life is relatively short and gives of myself so that others may enjoy themselves. Now, these are just examples. God may have you be different things. But ultimately, the big book promises this. At once we commence to outgrow fear. And what we see is that this fear form shows us the kind of person we can be who would be free of fear, a person who has a strategy for life, how to live life differently in a, in, and, and how to be free of fear because you know you're doing the best you can. This is actually the essence of the serenity prayer, a person who accepts reality and lives life well and changes things that he or she can, uh, can but accepts things that can't be changed. And, and you notice it's, it's what would God have me be rather than do because sometimes it's a person who simply accepts life. A person who does no more than accepts life, accepts, uh, lives serenely, not who necessarily does anything. Now, the big book goes on on page 68 at the bottom with sex. And, and I, I don't have time. I'm running out of time to read what it writes. But I want to go through the simple form. Um, and, and you'll find that it's there. It's not quite in the order that the big book writes it, but it's, it is there in this discussion. I just want to remind you that the word sex in 1939 was used much more broadly and sex conduct used much more broadly than it is used now. Sex conduct, we use it now as meaning this, this physical sex. Back then, it meant relationships in which there was some attraction. So it could be even flirting, sex conduct. It could be even fantasies, imagining things, treating other people as objects, which, which is far beyond what we would now call sex. But that's what it meant back then. And the sex conduct form will find out is now repeating 
the same, the other three character defects. If you, if you remember that uh, there were four character defects: selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened. We've dealt with frightened. We're now on to selfish, dishonest, and self-seeking. And um, the form has whom did I hurt? So we're only dealing with people we hurt. And um, there may be people on this list who weren't on the resentment list. We may not think about them. We may have hurt someone in the past and not really thought about it, or we may be, you know, I, I mean, I, I joke about this, but it's absolutely true. I, I used to be attracted to women who looked like Mary Tyler Moore, and I was sort of tongue-tied in their presence. And, um, and I put uh, some people down whom I knew who looked like that because of my being tongue-tied, and I, I didn't treat them as individuals, so I put them down. Um, you know, in the imaginary, in the form I've dealt with, I've, I've put down my spouse. Clearly, I've hurt that person. My ex, I've created sort of an ex-spouse, and my high school sweetheart. Uh, so you wouldn't put down, for instance, the person who abused you as a child. You, 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 that, that's not a person whom you, you would have hurt in sex conduct in any way. But, uh, uh, and you wouldn't put down many of the people on your uh, resentment forms or your fear forms because there was not a sex conduct. You're taking difficult relationships or relationships in which you've had some complex feelings. And then you've got in the second column, where was I selfish, dishonest, and inconsiderate? Self-seeking has become inconsiderate, and I think that's a hint as to what self-seeking means. So selfish is what selfish meant in, in the resentment form. Dishonest is what it meant, and inconsiderate is, is the self-seeking part. So I'll give the example. Spouse. Selfish. I wanted my spouse to be different. I want my way. I want sex. I want love. Dishonest. I can't change anyone but myself. I made my choice. I haven't been honest with my spouse about my needs and problems. I haven't given love I haven't loved what there is to love. Inconsiderate, I thought of myself and not my spouse. I thought about how my spouse feels, uh, how, how, how my spouse feels about me affects how I feel about myself. And that's the self-seeking part. Uh, my ex, selfish, I wanted what I wanted from the relationship. I ate myself out of the relationship. I thought of myself only. I denied sex because of anger. Dishonest, I blamed my ex-spouse for the bad relationship instead of myself. I didn't invest myself into the relationship. I denied sex. Inconsiderate, I thought only of myself. I thought I could fix things. I didn't think of my ex's needs or desires. My high school sweetheart, I wanted sex without a committed relationship. I thought only of my needs. I used others to get peer respect. Dishonest, I didn't tell my sweetheart the truth. I lied about other relationships. I pretended to be interested in things just to get the relationship. Inconsiderate, my sexual needs were most I use the other person in many ways. These are just examples. You will have your own. Now, these are difficult relationships, and there may not be many on your list, but there will be some, where you're looking at where you've been selfish, dishonest, and self-seeking slash inconsiderate. So you're now looking at the other three core character defects, and you're looking at them in relation to two, three, four, and maybe 10, 15 people. Who knows? And the big book then says, did I arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? And you may put check marks in there in, on the form. But then comes the next column, which is the key. What, and, and you'll find this on page 69, um, uh, where were we at fault, what should we have done instead? Where was I at fault, what should I have done instead? And here's where we learn, as we look at our past relationships, what a good relationship, free of selfishness, free of, of, of dishonesty, free of self-seeking would be like. So, for instance, with the spouse, uh, 
uh, where was I at fault? What should I have done instead? I should invest myself in the relationship. I should think of spouse's needs and not mine. I should be honest and loving and caring. I should do more around the house. I should love myself so I can be loved. With the ex, I should have invested more into the relationship. That's all. My high school sweetheart, I should not have entered into the relationship. Or once having entered into it and realized that the emotions were imbalanced, I should have ended it honestly and with grace. And so we're now, with the, uh, with the second form, looking at sort of complex, difficult relationships and realizing how we could have lived those differently. And if they're in current relationships, how we can live them differently in a life free from selfishness, dishonesty, self-seeking, and frightened. And that's it. Those are the three forms. And the big book makes certain promises, not many. Uh, page 70, if we've been thorough about our personal inventory, we've written down a lot, we've listed and analyzed our resentments, we've begun to comprehend their futility, their fatality, we've commenced to see their terrible destructiveness. These are promises. We've begun to learn tolerance, patience, uh, and goodwill toward all men, even our enemies, for we look at them as sick people. We've listed the people we've hurt by our conduct or willing to straighten out the past if we can. They say in this book you read again and again, that faith did for us, page 71, what we could not do for ourselves. We hope you are convinced now that God can remove whatever self-will has blocked you off from them. Because, and you should see this because the fear in the sex conduct form will show you the kind of life you can live free from these character defects. If you've already made a decision, step three, and an inventory of your grosser handicaps, grosser meaning not yucky, but the, the big ones, you've made a good beginning. That being so, you've swallowed and digested some big chunks of truth about yourself. So in conclusion, I'm, I'm right up to almost uh, an hour and 15 minutes. Um, I hope I've shown you how simple it is and how there's not a lot of effort that has to be placed. There's writing to be done, but it's all very clearly directed inch after inch. It, it, you understand why you're going from column to column to column, and each column takes you into another realm of yourself and an understanding of what you are and what you could be. Um, I've never seen anyone not be able to complete this in, a, in six weeks unless they're really lagging. And if they are lagging, their mind is going to bring them back to the food. You know, once you become absent and start to work the steps, you're in a race with your mind. If you don't get rid of the mind that keeps sending you back to that food, you're going to go back to the food. And steps four through nine are, are what's going to get rid of that mind. And you've got to rush through those steps as quickly as possible. Uh, when you get to step five, there's a, there's a test to see whether you've finished step four. And step five, you may have to redo this. You may have left some things, not redo it, but you may have left a few things out. So don't worry. Finish it to the best of your ability and get on to your step five as quickly as you can. Hurry, 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 uh, and you will reach the kind of recovery that many of us have had for, hundred, for, for dozens of years and you will have that kind of recovery where you will look at the foods and the eating behaviors that used to beckon to you and say, that is rat poison. You can be around all the people who indulge in everything you ever indulged in and not want to eat it. You can have that freedom from the bondage of food that is promised to us uh, in this 12-step program. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lori, for this Excellent uh, explanation and your personal insights on the subject of Step 4. Thank you so very much. Lori's contact information will be offered at the conclusion of this recording, so stay tuned for that. We're now going to transition to questions and answers. So if you have a question for Lori on Step 4, 
You can press star 1 to unmute to identify yourself, please. Charles H. This is Peggy. Charles H. Peggy. Who else? From Boston. I didn't catch your name. From Boston. Devorah M. From Boston. Devorah M. Devorah M. Who else? Devorah S. From New Jersey. Devorah S. Anyone else in this grouping? Martha K. Foley from Texas. Martha S. I believe. Who was after Martha? Peggy, is that correct? Yes. Oh. And I missed somebody. Holly S. from Fort Worth. And Holly. Okay, let's start with that. Charles H., you're up. Hi. Thank you, Lori C., for that, that fabulous explanation of the four-step process. I have How a, you doing, a, I'm, I'm doing great, man. Just Good. ducky. My work doing I mean, good. You're the person I met uh, at the at the Vision for You conference, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Nice yes, sir. to talk to you. Yeah. Thank you. Um. So, um, I got like a kind of like a double question. Um, I hear a lot of uh, you know, people in, in meetings say, you know, we do the three inventories, and and they refer to the sexual conduct inventory as the harm. Um, in my opinion. Um, my humble opinion is that um, when we're doing the eight step, we, it says we, we, we made a list of people we harm. Um, so question A is, don't we get those harms from um, even the resentment inventory, not just the sexual conduct? And then my next question is, um, uh, in your experience sponsoring men, um, what's your, your your success rate as far as, um, men going through the inventory process within the six-week window that you mentioned. Thanks, and I'll pass. Okay, I'll, I'll, thank you. I'll do, I'll do the second one first. I, I, I have no idea what my success rate is because I, I, my method of sponsoring is very different, I, and I don't keep track of that. But I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how good a sponsor I am, but, but the men and the women are about the same who have gone through the, the, this. They either do it or they don't. I, I, I don't mollycoddle them, and... Some of them do it and some of them don't. And I, do, I haven't noticed a difference because I sponsor both men and women. I haven't noticed a difference in, in how, how they do it. With regard to the first question, there's a, a couple things involved in there. Uh, Joe and Charlie bring in a fourth, um, uh, a fourth form, which is people I've harmed. Um, and I think they do that because of their definition of how they deal with the word resentment in the first column. Uh, I prefer, uh, I've been taught, not I prefer, I've been taught, and I, it works for me, and works for all the other people who use these forms, that a resentment is something that bothers me. And if that's the case, then people I've harmed bother me. Uh, so I put them down on my resentment list, and I, I find it very helpful to have that down on the resentment list, not in a fourth column that I do after I've looked at my fears and my sex conduct. Uh, so so I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, in my experience, well, the big book doesn't have that fourth uh, form, it, that's been brought in by uh, for other other reasons, so I prefer to have uh, I prefer to have resentments interpreted very very broadly, um, and not just things I'm angry about, but things that I wish weren't true, anything that I wish wasn't true, um, and and because of that, I include all the things, all the people I feel guilty about, 
uh, and I realize that I'm selfish. I want to change the past. Dishonest. I've never tried to apologize or I've never uh, made amends to those people. Um, uh, self-seeking. What I did to them make me feel bad about myself and uh, frightened that uh, frightened of apologizing to them. Um, and, and so I, I find that, that, that the resentment form is a real catch-all form for everything that's on my mind. And therefore, I don't need that, that fourth form that uh, many people put in that isn't in the big book. And I think if you look at the big book really, really carefully, you'll see that angry, although angry is used on, on one of the pages, they talk about uh, resentments fancied or real. They talk about good motives uh, and, and, and areas. And I think you'll see that resentment can be interpreted uh, in the way that I've, I've given. As a matter of fact, I think it's on page, uh, well, it doesn't page uh, 66. Um, uh, sometimes it was remorse, and then we were sore at ourselves. Well, well, how do you put down remorse if you don't put down people uh, who have, uh, whom you've harmed? So I, I take that to indicate that I agree with you. I think the, I think people you've harmed is, is, is found on the resentment list, which is the first list. hope that answers your question. Thank you, Charles. A reminder, everybody, please stay muted so we have, can have a clear recording. Okay, Peggy, your turn. Hi, this is Peggy, uh, Peggy F. in Boston. Can you hear me? Yes, yeah. we do. Um, hi, Lori. Uh, thank you so much for your presentation. I've gotten um, a great deal out of this presentation and the other um, your writing, and, and I've, I've used a lot of your guidelines. Um, my question is about, uh, you know, as far as doing the, the fourth and fifth steps, uh, clearing away the wreckage of the past, but where I get stuck is um, ongoing resentments. So, for example, a boss who is still doing the same, the the resentments keep happening. Been there, done that. Yes, absolutely. The resentments keep happening. That's what I say step 10 is. I I know other people uh, don't quite agree, but the way I read step 10 is that we continue to do steps 4 through 9 anytime we need to. And sometimes Uh we live with with people who... um, uh, uh, live with people, meaning we work with them or we, we literally live with them or they're in our lives a lot, who continue to do the things that caused us resentments that we dealt with in step four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. And uh, thus we continue to do inventories, and, and the big book says we continue to do that inventory. The inventory process is steps four through nine. That's how I interpret it. We begin at step four. So, sure, there are things that go on. I mean, listen, there are things that are going on in the world that are going on in the world, and they continue to bother me. You know, I worry about the future of my grandchildren, um, and, and the things that go on that continue to make me worried about them continue to go on. Every so often, I've got to deal with them because they build up in me. And um, so I, I absolutely. So steps four through nine let us deal with the big stuff, and then inst- and, and we're, we're, we reach this moment where we, 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 we make amends for the things we've done wrong, and some of that, those amends may be as simple as, I'm not going to be paralyzed um, um, by, by what's going on. I'm going to live my life as well as I can. I'm going to love as much as I can. I'm going to help people as much as I can. Uh, and then things began to fall off, and we have to keep vigilant that our spiritual lives are, are, um, uh, are still uh, alive. We have to maintain and grow in spirituality. And that was, you know, I made two major mistakes. I, I relapsed for se- six or seven years in this program before finding uh, the, the answers to these questions uh, over 23 years ago. 
And um, the first mistake had to do with the allergy to the body. I won't bother you with that. But the second one had to do with not realizing that step 10 means do, doing steps 4 through 9 over again in the context of recovery. It's the fine-tuning and the tweaking. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's my answer. And I do that all the time. Sometimes I do step 10 once a week, and sometimes I'll do it once a year, depending on how serene I'm doing and how, how I'm handling on things on a day-to-day basis in my step 11s. So if if the same resentments keep coming up with a, a particular person, it's it a different does reason. not. Does that I, I indicate? See it as, yeah, see, I don't see them. As the, I, wait, you go. Sorry, you go on. I'm sorry, go on. It, if the same resentments keep coming up with my boss, say, does that indicate somehow a failure of step four? Okay, I'll give you two answers to that. One is. If they keep going on, it's because uh, I wouldn't say that they're the same resentments. I would say they're new resentments dealing with the same issues mm-hmm. uh, because they keep on going. But I would, I would put down in my step 10 a principle of I can't seem to get rid of the resentment I feel against my boss for his doing the same thing over and over again. I would put down a, a, as a principle uh, something like um, uh, I keep getting uh, upset by, someone, by people doing the same things that they've always done and see where that leads me. So that's uh-huh. in step 10, that's where I begin to tweak things and begin to sort of go into even more depths and unravel even more layers. And that may be some, something you may want to do on a step 10 is sort of, why does this continually bother me even though I know what's going to happen? I mean, you know, I knew you were going to say that. Well, if you knew you were going to say that, why are you upset? And, and that's a tough issue, but I have that issue. So I, listen, I'm no, I'm no uh, guru here. That happens to me all the time, and when I do a step 10, I say, oh, is this what's bothering me? It always bothers me. But yeah. the test is always, are you feeling free from the bondage of food? Can you be around the food and not want it? Are you restless or irritable or discontented? If you're restless, irritable, or discontented, do a step 10, and you'll get to the answers. Uh-huh. We, 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 it's spiritual progress, not perfection here. Uh-huh. Okay. And, you know, you're it's not a helpful. saint. People will continue to bother you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? Thank you. Thank you, Peggy. Devora M., your turn. Hi. Good morning. Can you hear me, Leah? Yes. And good morning. Thank you for your service, Leah. Lori, thank you so, so much. My question is more of a clarification. On the second column, where we're talking about what happened, you uh, said you... Yeah, in, in the first, in the resentment In the resentment. Form? Yeah, yeah, in the resentment form. You said that you use bullet points. And then you also said, I think you're referring to the same column, that you give your sponsees up to 20 words. I, I don't. More I was story. Yeah, no, I, I'm joking. I, uh, that, that's, a, that's what one of the big book study people once said. I, I don't put any restrictions on my sponsees at all. But I tell them, please don't write a novel. It's a bullet form. You know, one thing may cover something you could write uh, 5,000 pages about, but if that's one thing, write it down. That's, yeah. That's so, what I meant. yeah. So I, I find that sponsees often will tell a long story, and I try to get them back to what's the headline. So you're just suggesting bullet points. She did this. She withheld this, or she without getting into the backstory. Exactly. As a matter of fact, I I love that concept of the headline. Yeah. I just want the headline. That's very yeah. good. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Very Thank helpful. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Devora M. Devora S. Devora S, star one to unmute. 
Right. I am. Hello. Yes. There you are. Yes. Thank you. Don't thank you so much, Lori and Leah. Thank you. So the question is on self-seeking. So I, I always thought I was taught that self-seeking is the behaviors that I got into because of this resentment. So number one is I hold a grudge in my head. I become judgmental, critical, into self-pity, holier than thou. All these kind of things. And um, I'm I'm not hearing that from you today. Can you? Is there, am I wrong? Am I, is there a different way? I would, you know, enlighten me. <laughs> the first answer is you're not wrong because there's no definition of self-seeking found in the big book. Um, and and uh, any definition of self-seeking you look for in a dictionary will say that self-seeking means selfish. So you're not wrong. And, and I don't mind uh, your definition. It, 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 it sort of fits in with what I am, what, what I am, uh, have. It, you know, from from uh, the way I would interpret what you talked about, it would be, um, I have the right to do this because I am who I am. And and for me, it's I, I look at it a little differently, but I don't think it matters as long as it covers the area. It becomes inconsiderate in in sex conduct. So and it also becomes inconsiderate in um, in uh, step ten. So I don't think it's a big deal. Um, and um, and uh, I I don't have easy answers. For self-seeking, I, I look at the words self and seek, and I say I'm seeking myself and other people. I'm asking other people to define me. Uh, if you like me, my self-seeking says I must be willing. Uh, I must be likable. Uh, you define how I feel rather than my higher power defining how I feel. But actions is fine too. I mean, the, the guy who was my mentor in AA, Blaine, uh, uh, who was a student of Joe and Charlie's, but I think went beyond Joe and Charlie with these forms, especially. Uh, talks about self-seeking as being, uh, uh, I think he says it's action and selfish is thought. I've never really understood that well enough to be able to explain it to others. So I, 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 I use self-seeking another way. There's no magic to it, so I, don't, I have no quarrel with the way you've discussed it. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Devora. Martha S. Hi, this is Martha S. in upstate New York. Thanks, Lori. Thanks, Leah. Leah. Um, my question is also about self-seeking. I use your workbook, Lori, with the people I sponsor, and I think you've answered part of it. I have two definitions of self-seeking that I find helpful. One is seeking my self-esteem in other people and worrying about what other people think of me, which is kind of related to asking others to define you know, yeah. me for Same me. Thing. Yeah, that's, the better, other that's better than what I said, but that's what I meant. Okay, and if you the second definition that I recommend to people that I work with, let me know if you think it sounds helpful to you or not. Self-seeking to me also means when I'm seeking my feeling of safety and security and how other people behave towards me rather than in my higher power. That's good. Yep. That's excellent. Thank you. Okay. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Job well done, Peggy S. Okay. That was Martha, actually. Peggy S., you're up. Peggy, star one to unmute. Okay. Perhaps she got pulled away. Let's move on to Holly S. Good morning. Uh, thank you, Leah and uh, Lori. Thank you for your service as well. 
Um, Lori, I just have a question about a comment you made. Um, I am not new to OA, but I am new to using the Big Book, and uh, I'm I, I find that I'm committed to this process um, like never before. Lots of awareness, uh, allergy of the body, the obsession of the mind. So um, I am struggling with some hunger issues, but that's being addressed. Uh, but I'm gaining more and more awareness about the obsession of the mind. And for somebody who is new at, at even you know getting through steps one, two, and three to get to four, um, you know, can you speak uh, more to your comment about this being a race uh, with my mind sure. and, and your you. suggestions? Um, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for the, for the opportunity to do this. Um, I, I think that uh, my experience is that, that I, well, I ask my sponsors to develop three plans before they become abstinent. One is a plan of eating that truly eliminates the foods, food ingredients, and uh, eating behaviors and or eating behaviors that have caused them in the past uncontrollable cravings. Uh, one that works for them and one that isn't imposed on them or that they've got from some book or some theory, but one that really speaks to them. Uh, and I, I could go into detail on that, but I won't today. The second plan is a timetable, a reasonable timetable, a commitment for how long it's going to take to get through to step nine, because it's by the end of step nine that we're promised this freedom from food. And so you, you've got sort of this timetable, and I, I will often say, make an appointment for step five and work backwards from there, because the way, the way I've been taught step, uh, the rest of the steps is after step five, you do step six and seven and eight within days. I, I would say the same day, but some people would say within days. So you, you do five and then six, seven, and eight, you made your list, and then nine, you just go out and you make your men. So once you finish step four and you immediately do step five, you're on your way to step nine within a few days. And since you're promised recovery by the end of step nine, um, you know, you, you commit yourself to step five, and, and you have this sense, boy, if I can only hold on for X number of weeks or months, I will, I will have this recovery. So you've got this, this deadline that is not looming over you. It's this hope that you have, and you're just hanging on for X number of days or weeks or months or whatever. And the third is a, is a realistic strategy for dealing with day-to-day -day temptations. What are you going to do to deal with the little things that can get you? Are you going to throw out all your food? Are you going to phone in your food to a person? Are you going to make phone calls? Are you going to write? Are you going to say, oh, if I'm tempted by this, I will eat it, but in 20 minutes from now. Or I will eat, uh, take it home and have it for my sponsor or give it to my sponsor or, or whatever. The te I will read. I will journal. I will whatever some of the tools of recovery, wh whatever works for you. I will often say to my sponsees, don't phone me with your daily food plan. Uh, phone someone who still needs to be, who's still suffering, because you'll then be able to be a role model for them. You'll be helping them as well as helping yourself. I don't need a phone call. I, I, I already have recovery. Uh, phone someone who hasn't recovered. Uh, I'll do that, but th that may run counter to what other people have. You may, you, may have. you may be phoning your sponsor every day. Whatever it is, a strategy that allows you to say, this will keep me from temptation on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so those three things together um, uh, will, I, I think, help you, or certainly they have helped others, in, in, in avoiding going back to the food while you're on your journey through the steps. And by the way, having that day-to-day -day strategy has one other value. 
and that is that if you do relapse, which I hope no one does, but if you do, you'll be able to pinpoint what you didn't do that you should mm. have done. Exactly. So that's, um, yeah. that's, or that's, what you should have added. That's where I'm at, yeah. yeah. And there, that's where the awareness has come in, like, oh, I think I'm really underestimating. I don't think I, I don't, it's never really been explained to me, the obsession of the mind. That's why I've always been able to get clean, but I've never been able to stay. Okay, so the obsession of mind has to be explained to you. I can't do that today, but I hope that you can Absolutely. get this. No, I, yeah. I appreciate okay. that. I know where to go. Um, I, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Holly. I'll refer you to a Vision Free website. There are numerous uh, special editions on obsession of the mind. Right. And, Lori, I just want to be considerate of your time. You want to be off the line by 10.15 is that okay, correct? Okay, fine. I, I'm, I'm okay. fine. I'm good. Okay. Look at it. I, Excellent. Okay, who else? I have my OA meeting. I have my OA meeting oh. to go to in, in, in an hour and a half, so I just have to get up and get ready for it and go. Excellent. Okay, thank you. Who else has a question for Lori this morning on step four? Kathy. Hey. Okay. <clears throat> is that Kathy K? Yes. Thanks, Lori. Judy K. R. K. Anita R. Lisa S. Carolyn Ash. Okay, let me let me say who I have. Speak up if I didn't catch you. Kathy K, Judy K, Anita, is that correct? Perhaps not. Carolyn S H. Who did I miss? Lisa R. Lisa R. Lisa S. Anita R. I hope that's correct. Tara. K. Tara K. Anyone else? Gladys F. Gladys S. Okay. And Rita R. I don't know if you caught me. Is it Anita or Lita? Rita. R I T. Rita. Rita. Okay. Thanks for your. And patience. it's we. It's Lisa S. Not Lisa R. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Okay, Kathy K. Let's start with you. Thank you, Leah, for your service, and thank you, Lori. I really appreciated hearing you today. I do make use of your forms, and my question is um, how you deal with um, a sponsee who kind of resists every part of step four or doesn't seem to be gaining value from the work. Um, Do you have any suggestions about that? Thank you. Okay, well, thank you. First of all, I, I want to say they are not my forms. They were developed by Blaine, and he has given permission to – he's an AA member in, in Winnipeg, Canada, and he, he gave me permission to use them for OA. He's not well now, by the way, and I had the privilege of being able to tell him uh, a few years ago uh, that his forms have helped thousands of people in OA, and, and he was so grateful to know that. And, and he would say himself that they're taken from the big book. But they're not, I, I really don't want anyone to think that they're my forms. They're not. Um, it, without uh, Blaine, I would never have been able to have the kind of uh, 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 recovery I think that I have now. But anyway, um, well, I mean, how we sponsor um, – I sponsor the big book way, but I, I fully recognize that other people – have other ways of sponsoring and have other ways of recovery. I have very close friends in the program who, who use other methods of doing step four and other methods of, of working through the steps. 
And uh, my way of sponsoring is to say, this is the best I can do. This is what I know. This is my experience. If what I am giving you doesn't help you, you should look for someone else uh, who might be able to help you. I do, you know, people who, who, don't, who don't sort of see the value of doing this um, may be people who are not really that scared at step one, that maybe aren't at, at 100% level of despair uh, or don't have the hope that they need in step two. So I would work with them. I would find out what's going on. I, I would find out why, what they don't understand about this. I mean, you know, I explain this, and it all sounds wonderful, and then you sit down and write it, and then it's pretty confusing uh, for a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people don't have the, 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 um, uh, the, 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 they don't have an understanding of some of the things that happen. They're, 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 they, need, they need to talk differently. You know, and I've, I've sponsored people who say, I can't use these forms, I've got to tell you my whole life story. And occasionally, well, I, I've never turned anyone down. And there have been times when people have done things that just, I just wouldn't do it that way. But I say, let's test it out. Let's try your way and see how it works. Um, and because the, the big book provides a test at step five. So, for instance, they might say, well, I, I have to write, you have to know my whole story before I can tell you this. So I've listened to them. And the test is at the end of step five, uh, as a part of sharing with another human being, are you delighted? Can you look the world in the eye? Can you be alone a perfect peace and ease and have your fears fallen from you? If they answer, the answer to that question is yes, to all four of those questions is yes, at the end of how they did it, God bless them. Why should I force them to do it my way? So I'm, I'm relatively flexible. Uh, most people embrace these forms because they seem to work. People who don't, I guess, should be asked, why, what's the problem with them? Um, now, some people think that they should be doing it their way, and that's a, a bad sign, right? I mean, that's a, an indication uh, that perhaps they're trying to do the steps their way, but, but not with an understanding of how, how it should be done, and they may not be surrendering completely. But I do not believe, as a sponsor, that my job is to control anyone. And, and as a matter of fact, the big book says, burn the idea into consciousness of every man, job or no job, wife or no wife. He will not recover if he continues to place his dependence upon a person rather than upon God. And I don't want to be the person that anyone places dependence upon. So I never tell people what they have to do. I just tell them my experience and I listen carefully to them and I try to help them through this. Um, so it may be a symptom of it doesn't fit for me, I just don't make sense to me, which is quite legitimate, or maybe a system of I want to run the show, I want to tell you how I'm going to do the steps, which may be different. But I've had people who have written to me who have said, um, uh, my sponsor wants me to do it this way and this way and this way. And uh, what do I do? And, and I've given them two alternatives. One is examine in yourself why it is you want to do it differently. And sometimes their answers are because the way she wants or he wants me to do it is going to take me two years to do it and I want to do it quick, more quickly. Pretty legitimate concern. Sometimes the answer is because I've, I'm in another program and this is the way we do in that other program. Maybe not so legitimate a concern. Uh, so I, I, I would tease it out of them. I would work with them and see. I don't have an answer. I mean, in the end, I'm not in charge of other people. And if they, if they can't use what I have to recover, God bless them and let them go to someone else whom they can find who will help them. And if, if those, you know, like I have a real hands-off approach. I'm not a huggy kind of person when I sponsor. I'm very businesslike. 
And um, I've had people say, I can't use you as a sponsor because you don't want to listen to what's going on in my life on a day-to-day basis. And my answer is, that's what goes on in step four. I'm willing to listen to it when you do step five with me, but I'm not willing to listen to it because now is the time for you to write them down. But they don't want that. They want someone who's more understanding. And God knows people deserve people who are more understanding than I am. (laughs) So um, I think, you know, I think it's a function of how you sponsor, how you listen, how they want to be sponsored, how, what their understanding is. And I don't think there's any one answer to that question. Thank you, Lori. Thanks. Thank you, Kathy Kay. Judy. Uh, Good morning, Lori. Thank you for your share. Um, My question, and you may, you sort of answered this in previous um, uh, questions by the listeners, but I would like to know if the resentments that you dealt with, have they left you permanently? Um, and I know you said in step 10, no, they keep, some of them keep coming back. But, for instance, I could see where maybe you did your resentment with Hitler and then that left. But what about you had deep resentments you might have uh, if you had any toward your, uh, you know, co- some coworker or, some, or, or a relative or a spouse or a close friend uh, that you had deep resentments for? Have those left you permanently after you've done step four and five, you know, done the steps? And, um, yeah, and I'm guessing, because some people I've heard say, yes, they've gone and they've never returned. And so I am just wondering what your experience is with that. Thank you. Okay, well, thank you. My own experience is this. Uh, The the ones, uh, people who are no longer part of my life, my resentments are gone people who are part of my life, the same resentments pop up sometimes because they do the same things that they did before. I consider those to be new resentments, uh, not old ones. I got rid of the old ones for all the past, and, and they're often a lot easier because, uh, the, to deal with because sometimes, uh, you know, as I say, I do step 10 uh, often, sometimes often and sometimes not that often. Sometimes I, I should do step 10 more often than I actually do step 10. But whenever I feel restless, irritable, or discontented, or I feel that uh, food is becoming slightly more interesting to me, that hardly ever happens, but it has at times, I know it's time for me to do a step 10. And step 10 is literally steps 4 through 9, but done in the context of recovery. And when I do that, I will often write down people who are in my life, co-workers or people in my life, sometimes my my wife even, um, and I will... um, I'll write them down and realize, my God, they're doing the same thing that, they, that I, I got rid of the resentment before and somehow it's bothering me again. Well, I better deal with it. So I deal with it. And, and I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't, well, obviously there's nothing wrong with it. But I mean, I, 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 I catch it before I eat over it. I catch it before it clouds my mind. I'm quite vigilant about that. And, um, I mean, when you live with people, or you live in their proximity, like co-workers, um, things keep on happening, and it's new things. So there's a new past between the time I did step nine uh, and today, there might be six months. Well, there's six months of past, P-A-S-T, of past, P-A-S-T. And a resentment is the past didn't go my way. So there are things that happen. You know, I mean, things aren't going well in this world, and I'm sure everyone will agree with that, although they'll have different reasons for why they think that. 
So things are going on in this world that I wish were not going on. And they continue to go on that way. And this world, in some ways, bad, some bad things are happening. Well, I don't um, consider that to be an old resentment. It's a, it's a new resentment because things are happening now. Um, you know, the fact that I got rid of the issue that people were suffering back in January of 1999 uh, doesn't mean that people aren't suffering now and that I have to do a, a step four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine about them, about the people who are, who are currently suffering. So I have no answer. I have no other answer to that. That's that's my answer. I don't consider them old resentments. I consider them new versions of old resentments. So they're new resentments. And and I get rid of them really quickly because I'm now a, a pro at this. And and as soon as I realize they're happening, I go through sort of four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine like almost in my mind. You know, it's sort of like so. Oh God! So this is what I have to do. You know, this person is annoying me. Well, what I did in the past when that person annoyed me is to love that person more and to look at the good parts. Oh, fine. Living a man, bang. You know? Hope that helps. Okay, thank you, Laurie. Thanks, Judy, for the question. Rita R. Rita, star one to unmute. Yeah, hi, um, Laurie. There was a workbook uh, that was identified that you created. Um, how can you obtain that workbook? Okay, it, it's not OA approved literature. It's just a book that interprets the big book, uh, and it's available for free as a download on oabigbook.info. Oabigbook, all one word, dot info. You can download it as a PDF. Okay, uh, thank you. Doc- and... Uh, 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 it's 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 it consists of written sort of written interpretation of the big book. It, consider it as a version of my sharing uh, at a meeting because that's all it is. Mm-hmm. But it contains all the forms and explanations of the forms. It goes through all the steps, and uh, I hope it's of some value to some people. Thanks, Rita. Carol. Leah, did you call me? Carolyn S.H.? Yes. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Hi. Good morning. Thank you for your service, Lori. Thank you so much. So valuable to me. Um, two clarifying questions about the process. Um, the example that I heard you walk through the make-believe spout, and you kind of walk it through, you know, steps four through nine, that was extremely helpful. And I, I have your downloaded book that I downloaded um, over a year ago, and I don't see that example in the book. Am I not no, looking not. in the right place? No. Okay. That, uh, one of these days I'm going to incorporate it, but it's, it's, it's actually tough uh, to incorporate right now. You can find that, though, on the same – I just added that to the webpage about two months ago. And you can see oh, the example. Okay. Yeah. So if you go back to the webpage, you'll see it. It's right at the uh, – let me just go to it and find it for you. Um, the, on the left-hand top, there are all the forms that I talked about. And then right underneath that, in a kind of a blue box, it says examples of filled out step four and eight and nine forms. Click here. That was just that. Oh, okay. And, and gotcha. by the way, if you want, if, if on that same, um, uh, on that same uh, uh, website, right at the bottom, there's a webcast of a big book study in step four workshop on May 13th to 15th, 2016. If you go to that, the, the Unity Group of Minneapolis-St. Paul, there's a link there. 
uh, to a, a sort of it's actually an illustrated workshop with a, a PowerPoint presentation uh, and, a, and, and a, of a workshop uh, that I did that I did in, in just a couple months ago, and and then there's a separate step four workshop in which with the group that was there, it, I mean it's a wonder. I mean I I don't take credit for it, but we actually worked through the forms. And people would talk about what they had written down and, and how they dealt with certain things. It's a wonderful uh, workshop, so you can get that. Oh, cool. All right, thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. Um, and the other clarifying question is, when writing the Step 4 form, um, so in Column 1, I have names. Column 2, I have bullet points of, uh, you know, why I'm resentful at them, what they did. And let's say, just for argument's sake, I have 10 resentments against my mother, right? Um, Now, when I go to column three, um, and I'm checking those six things against 10 things or against one person? No, against 10 things. Each one of those things. things. Yeah. Okay. How did each one of those things affect, or did each one of those things affect each one of those six points? Yeah. And then when I go to column four, again, I'm doing the four character defects against those 10 presenters. No, no. No. The big book says putting out of our minds the wrongs that others have done. Well, the wrongs that others have done are in columns two and three. So you actually fold the paper over so that column four and column one are right next to each other. And that's why there are dotted lines on that, on, on those forms. They're, 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 uh, they're deceptive, but they're dotted lines. That's where you make the fold. Okay, so there's only one set of four character defects per person. Yes, that's right. Got it. Got it. Thank you for asking that question. It's often asked. It's it, it it's something I often fail to make clear. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Carolyn and Lisa S. Yes, thank you so much, Lori, for an excellent presentation. You actually answered my question. I wanted to know the website where I could obtain the form, so thank you. Thank you. Tara K. Thank you. Lori, thank you. I have your book and have used it, um, you know, with, with wonderful results. Um, one thing I do have a question on um, is the um, when you had how do you deal with having different say nutritional needs on certain days say you you have to do an an extra lot of physical work um, and so a plan that was made say, the day before or whatever might not, you know, have dealt with with that? And do you have a, you know, do you do that on your own or how do you deal with well, it? Well, I, I, I actually, I encountered that problem. I was, um, uh, for a number of years, I was going every year uh, on a uh, seven-week bicycle trip that went about four or 500, about between four and 500 miles uh, over seven, seven days over hills in North Dakota. I didn't know North Dakota had hills, but it does, really steep hills. And I found that eating three meals a day, which is part of my plan of eating, uh, would, would not allow me to go up hills. I, I had no stamina left. So I asked a friend of mine who was a triathlete and was also um, uh, a, a member of OA, 
what what she did, and she said, you know, if you have heavy exercise, you have to eat for the exercise as well as eat your plan of eating. So I amended uh, uh, my plan of eating during those exercise days to have snacks and to eat things. Uh, I watched myself very carefully to make sure that the extra eating wouldn't cause me to overeat. Uh, but it's all part of a plan of eating. That's why I say every plan of eating has to be tailor-made to fit you. Um, and and our, our pamphlet, A Dignity of Choice, makes that clear. It's the group conscience of OA that no one should impose a plan of eating upon you. You have to figure it out yourself. And it has to be very honest about what it is that causes you uncontrollable cravings, but also what your needs are. You know, so people... I mean, I would make a distinction between what my nutritional needs and uh, uh, are, and what is a good plan of eating. A plan of a good plan of eating eliminates those things, foods, food ingredients, and/or eating behaviors that cause uncontrollable cravings. A nutritional plan might eliminate some foods. You may be uh, celiac, so you can't eat gluten. You may be diabetic. There are certain foods you shouldn't be eating or can't eat. Or you may have to eat more than three times a day uh, if you're a diabetic, or you may be involved in heavy exercise that, that you, or heavy work or something that requires uh, you know, more nutrition. You may have to count calories. Who knows? I mean, but all of this has to be incorporated. And as long as you're eliminating the things that you know cause you uncontrollable cravings, um, there's not, I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I think that you've done a fine job. So you adapt it. So you know, I'll give you another example. Uh, we have friends who often have invited us to dinner parties for 7 o'clock, but they only, they only begin to eat at 9. And, uh, you know, I get really hungry by 9 o'clock, and I found myself when I was doing three meals a day, nothing in between, that I would start to, like that 9 o'clock time would come, the food would come out, and I'd be so hungry, I'd be eating more than I would normally eat because I, I don't weigh or measure my, my foods. So I ended up having a snack, uh, a small snack at uh, 5 o'clock, or six o'clock before I went to their place, so that I wouldn't overeat at, uh, at nine. So you adapt. I adapt anyway, and uh, and I, I don't, I, you know, I. But what I would do is discuss it with a sponsor or a good OA buddy to make sure that I wasn't fooling myself or that I wasn't trying to give myself permission to eat things that I really shouldn't be eating or at a times when I really shouldn't be. That's the only. I'd subject myself to some clear questioning, so that I, I would be sure I wasn't just sort of somehow subtly trying to impose my own wish for comfort. Does that help? Yes. Um, the other part of this was um, when the time, you know, if say um, selfishness of some sort like a resentment came up, um, when I would say more like when I wasn't before I was recovered, because now I can do the step 10, but, you know, when in the day, when I was really living in a disease, um, I could eat all foods um, like an alcoholic drink because when I would start eating, no matter how perfect that food would start out, you know, I would find that I would <clears throat> be, you know, on the, on the, you know, um, off to the races. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've had that problem, and, and, and I identified one of my eating behaviors as the need to chew all the time. So I eliminated right. chewing and sucking between meals. So, uh, yeah, I could, I could have uh, chewed and, and, and eaten vegetables, and I, I've ended up chewing pens and ice, ice cubes and stuff like that because I found that I had real oral needs. 
that had little to do with the foods, but had to do with getting my mouth ready to want to eat and get the saliva uh, glands flowing and stuff like that. So that that would be my my answer to what you've described. Does that help? Right. If even 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 if it was in during healthy eating, you know, and yeah, the even healthy chewing, the need to, it was the obsession at that point. There was yeah. no allergy involved. No, I wouldn't call that. Yeah, see, I would call that an allergy. I would call a physical uh, an eating behavior an allergy. That's what I do. Yeah, the eating behavior is activated, but out of the clear blue sky, um, yep. on a day everything going right, no, you know, oh, sure. had, or, or you know, haven't had a compulsive bite, um, you know, suddenly the idea can come to that, you know, the, oh well, I think I'll add a cinnamon roll to my breakfast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, okay. I think yes, that would thank be the obsession. You, yeah, that would be obsession clicking, and I agree. Yeah. Thank you very much, Tara, for your question. And Lori, would you like to take the last question this morning? Or sure, be happy. To. Okay. Sure. Okay. And Gladys S presents our last question for the morning. Uh, good morning. Can you hear me? Y- yes. Okay. Uh, I may have missed missed something um, during the lead, but I just wanted to ask if. What would you recommend, uh, like if a person did a forced, a couple of forced steps and, you know, like the steps and relapse, and now is working with uh, uh, a person, a sponsor in the Vision for You group, would you uh, recommend that that person uh, maybe review <clears throat> um, the four steps, the, the people that was on the former four-step list again? Or and and the other question is like if a person wasn't on your my uh, four step list and was maybe a part of my past but coming back into my life and causing some uncomfortable uncomfortable feelings because of how I relate to them should I uh, consider that as a four step list person? I, I wasn't sure I heard everything, but I think I understood the question. The, the, the first aspect is if a person relapses, should that person go back and do a fourth step? Well, I, I always say when a person relapses, there are two things that I look at. One is, is that person's plan of eating um, uh, 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 still uh, the right one? Perhaps that person is still eating something that creates the allergy uh, of the body, creates the cravings. And, and so I always look at the plan of eating to make sure that they're not fooling themselves about what they should be or shouldn't be eating or indulging in. Uh, secondly, sure, if, if you relapse, it's you, 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 you start again. But I, you know, I very often, depending on, on the individual, will say, fine, take three or four days off, uh, get abstinent, and then, and then say the step three prayer with someone, and then you know, do step four. If, if you're desperate now, then you don't, you know, you, you understand step one, you understand step two, you have the hope, get abstinent, uh, say the step three prayer after a few days of absence so your mind is clean, and then do step four with what's on your mind now, not what was on your mind when you last did step four. Uh, and include as a principle, I, I screwed it up again, I relapsed again. Uh, include that as a, as a resentment and, and see where that takes you. Uh, and, and include also, I, I'll, I'll always relapse. I'm afraid I'll always relapse, things of that sort. And I think that answers both your questions. I'm not sure. Did I answer both your questions? Yes. Good. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you so much, Gladys S. Thank you to all those this morning. And, of course, thank you, Lori, for your wonderful presentation this morning. Just Thanks for the opportunity, Leah. Continued excellence. Thank you very, very much. I'm going to close from page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.